Hi, I am neither Jen nor Sarah. If you've never made it to the very end of the show, you've never heard uh, Sarah and Jen say that I'm the producer of the show, but I am, whether you've made it that far or not. And I'm here to give them a little holiday break while introducing this, a rerun of last year's Christmas episode, which in itself contains a rerun of the previous year's holiday episode. In the episode, Sarah and Jen talk about their favorite Christmas songs, as well as their favorite books, of course. I'll just throw in my two favorites, which are Vanessa Williams' version of What Child Is This? And pretty much the entirety of Nick Lowe's Quality Street record. Christmas novellas, the only one I've ever read is Sarah's. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. And while I'm here, I should just say that uh, Adriana Herrera has a holiday book out right now, I believe. So, uh, you know, grab it and read it before Christmas is over. And finally, I'll just say in pandemic times, it's really easy to lose track of people, lose contact. So, um, Find someone you haven't talked to for a while today and just send them a message. Say hello. Say happy holidays. Merry Christmas. It'll feel good. Have a good day. Happy holidays, Jen. Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. (laughs) Um, It is a couple weeks before Christmas in our life right now, but this episode will drop on Christmas Day. Yep. December 25th, for those of you who celebrate, Merry Christmas. For those of you who don't, enjoy your day off. Movie theaters are open everywhere, everybody. Yeah, yeah. if you work in a movie theater, we're sorry. I know it's true. But you know what? I had a friend in high school who worked in a movie theater, and he used to really love it. So maybe people who work in movie theaters are happy. I don't know. If you work in a movie theater, let us know what you think about working on Christmas Day. For real. Are movie theaters open 365 days a year? Like, can you go to the movies on New Year's Day? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wild. I don't like it, honestly. Um, I do, because I like to go to the movies. <laughs> on Thanksgiving. <laughs> we have never gone to a movie on Thanksgiving, but we have gone to a movie on Christmas before. I feel like Thanksgiving is the day that they would be closed if they were going to be closed on a day. I mean, it just takes so long to cook all that dinner. all right fair enough so jen what are we doing oh wait welcome everyone to faded mates yes faded mates holiday style Mm -hmm. cue the bells uh the carol of the bells all the bells yes they're silver bells it's christmas time in the city jingle bells um and my favorite christmas song which is the pogues fairy tale of new york which is Real grim, you guys. <laughs> it should give you a sense of of how much I th- what I think about the holidays. That that is my favorite Christmas song. Although it is like a bananas great love song. I don't think I've ever heard this song. Yes, you you for sure have. I could have been someone. Well, so could anyone. You took my dream. 
Probably any version really of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. So have yourself a merry little Christmas now. Oh, so bright. Well, but there's the sad version. Someday soon we all will be together. The fates allow. Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. Oh, and then like a like medium version. If you don't like the epic love story of two Irish drunks in New York City uh, <laughs> that the Pogues deliver, my second favorite Christmas song is um, the Bare Naked Ladies Sarah McLaughlin version of God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Which oh, is yeah, sure. That's real peppy. Real peppy. God rest you, God rest you, Merry looking i have a spotify playlist of christmas songs and it's a lot of like r&b like mariah carey and the carol of the bells by destiny's child is like I mean, well, because their voices are bells, right? So it's real good. Yeah. That's nice. It is nice. I find that I really like, I, like I'm not wild about the holiday, but I do like the music that comes with it. Oh, yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. My husband always makes fun of me because he's like, are you going to start listening to Christmas music? Are you listening to your car already? And I'm like, shut up, Daryl. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. You can't stop me. <laughs> I mean, I got to say, like, every year I say, like, I'm all right, I'm ready, I'm ready, start. And then I listen to Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree and Damn. Santa Baby and yeah. Baby It's Cold Outside, which I know a lot of people think is problematic, but we're going to put in show notes a very feminist take on Baby It's Cold Outside. All right. I'm here for um, it. That's real sex positive. There you go. Uh, and actually relevant to romance because the whole premise of this whole – the theory that this writer and critic is is proposing is that um, it has to feel like 
a little sketchy for her to be okay with what she wants that mm, night. Interesting. All right. I'm excited to read that. Similar to early romances. Yeah. Anyway, so it's four and a half minutes in. We promised ourselves we'd do this fast. What are we doing? We're going to each just talk about a Christmas novella that we loved this year. And because it's Christmas Day, I think we're going to actually stick to Christmas stories. Although there have been a lot of great, really, Hanukkah. Great uh, a Hanukkah anthology came out this year, a new one. Mm-hmm. So we'll link to that in show notes. And a literally five seconds ago, Roan Parrish dropped a uh, short story on the book in Maine called A Good Old Fashioned Hanukkah Pegging. Oh, on brand. Starring, I know, the characters from Small Change, I think, because it's Ginger and Christopher. So, um, hello. Thanks, Roan. I started reading it and then was like, shit, I had to record, but mm, already real good. Uh, And also we, like, did a drive-by with uh, Mangoes and Mistletoe by friend of the pod, Adriana Herrera. Which is fantastic. Uh, last time in our, what was that on? Best of the year list. So yeah. um, we're going to skip that. We've got two new novellas that neither of you, that none of neither of you, all two listeners. <laughs> it's more than that, Sarah. Um, so, uh, that you guys may have already read, but we've certainly not talked about them. Okay. So why don't I go first? I'm going to yes. go first. You so go. I'm going to talk about a novella from the Karina Dirty Bits like line, which... I wanted like tell you everybody they really deliver what they're promising, which is pretty much like real quick and compact, but like real, real fiery. Mm hmm. And this Did you say thick? No, fiery. I said fiery. Fiery and compact. I don't know what I said. I thought you said thick. Well, I it mean, is, and I it imagine it's Christmas Day, so. <laughs> I have no idea what I said. I was rushing everybody. Um, I'm going to talk about a book called Love in the Stacks by... Oh, um, you love it. I do love it by (laughs) Delilah Peters. This is so on brand for me. It's two librarians. Sex in a library. It's like my dream. Okay, fine. Too much information. Um, It's Delilah Peters is the author, and there are two. um, Poppy is a librarian in this New Bedford library, and Ben is the new archivist. And he, like, uh, Betty archives something. He works, you know, downstairs in some little basement dwelling that he just, like, there's literally a part where he's, like, pulling out, like, Civil War teeth out of a drawer. I don't really know what that's symbolic of, but (laughs) she, um, so what Civil War teeth? Just... I don't like the idea of teeth in my library, but okay. If you're a librarian, be in her books. Yeah. Do you have teeth in your library. Okay. Steve, I mean, you could have Steve. I, he's Steve, an actual you archivist. In your, in your library. I'll be like, Steve, are there teeth in your library? Okay. Anyway, he, um, the way, it, the, here's the setup it's Christmas Eve, and the staff of the library have a party at noon, and then the newest hires have to stay until eight o'clock. To close the library and they don't want to close the library too soon because sometimes like people that are lonely come in. So the librarians are doing like a community service. Aww. Well, of earlier that day, uh, Poppy and Ben like have like make out in his little archivist room and it's real hot. And then they're the two newest hires. So they're going to oh. be there at night. And then a storm so rolls in. They're going to. And it's too slick and slippery outside for them to get home safely. There's only one circulation desk. (laughs) 
That is, in fact, exactly at one. There's only one counter in the break room. There's only one couch. These, I would like you to know that Poppy and Ben take this charge of having sex in the library very seriously. And they do it all over. And it's effing great. And it is exactly what you want from your Christmas novella, which apparently, based on all these Hallmark movies y'all are talking about, it's like, we kiss once and we know we're in love forever. And Poppy and Ben are like, no, we are going to bone through 79% of this little Karina Dirty Bit short story. And that is how we will know we are in love forever. And I think they're doing it better. I love it. It's delightful. A plus from us. A, A plus. I'm going to read that tonight. Yes, you are. <laughs> You're not going to be disappointed at all. Yay. Well, mine is also There's Only One, but in our in my case, it's a bed. Um, but it's also there's only one man because uh, it begins as a as a, a lesbian, a female female, okay, um, romance. It's Sierra Simone's Red and White, which is a Snow White and Rose Red retelling. Nice, and it's in the uh, Hot for the Holidays anthology, which for a while was free, but shouldn't be because it's great. So is this sh- the one? I feel like I downloaded this and I maybe read the first one. I will tell you who the first one is. Is it by uh, Helena Hunting and LJ Shen? Oh no, this is different. No, this is Ooh. Marie Force's first. Mine is in a holiday anthology called Christmas in the City, which also has a Sierra also Simone a Sierra- and, and Kennedy, Kennedy Ryan. Ryan writing together. Right. Short. Um, well, no, this is uh, Red and White, a Snow White and Rose Red retelling. And now we don't have to tell you how much we love Sierra Simone on this podcast. I don't have to tell you how much I love her writing. Frankly, if you haven't read anything by her by now, then I don't know what you're doing listening to uh, us. Exactly. So <laughs> the wrong podcast, everybody. With love. <laughs> so but what you do need to know is that when Sierra decides that she's just going to write like a super short, super hot sex story she can deliver so i'm downloading this right now as we speak it begins with two best friends snow and scarlet who have like been there they they are graduate students um and they or they're not best friends but they're close friends and they're in montana at a cabin that is owned by one of their parents um in like a snowy and there's like a blizzard outside and it's just the two of them and you're in scarlet's point of view and she's like she's polyamorous and like she's had a crush on snow like it's friends to lovers and you're like these two are fine and she's like we're finally gonna do it we're fine like I'm pretty sure she's into me is she into me I'm into her like I don't want to mess this up and so there's this whole like you know she's very much in her head and then suddenly snow just goes for it and they're making out and boom the door opens (laughs) and in comes what is described as a bear like a very <sighs> furry, snowy, massive creature comes in. Comes in and they're like, oh my God, it's a bear. They're screaming. <laughs> and then Scarlet's very noble and says, like, Snow, go into the go into the bedroom. I'll take care of it. And then the bear speaks and says, Hi, my name is Teddy Ruxpin. Can you and I be friends? Like, basically says, like, save me or something, and then passes out. Mm. It's not a bear. Spoiler. It's a dude. <laughs> it's never a bear. <laughs> and his name is Liam. 
And he's a real bear. <laughs> so they have to get him naked because they don't want him to die of hypothermia. <laughs> of course not. What I else mean, are they supposed it's to just do? good sense. <laughs> oh, and you know what, guys? I don't really feel like I need to say much more. I think we all know about yes. It's a magnificent polyamory story where they end up using the only one bed and falling madly in love and living happily ever after. I mean, this is all I want from my Christmas romances. And I (sighs) love it a whole lot. So there it is. 13 minutes in. We gave you two novellas. You're going to read them both in one night. Yeah, you're going to sure. be so happy. Perfect like when you're when your in-laws are bothering you or your kids are <laughs> screaming or like everybody's right cranky or like you just don't want to be at church anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um you watch one too many Hallmark ro- like Christmas romances and actually need a little heat. Maybe. We are here for you. We're here Don't for you. Don't say that Jen and I didn't give you anything this year. That's right. We did. Um, I'm going to link in show notes to a piece I wrote a few weeks ago in for Kirkus about the forced proximity trope and only one bed. Mm-hmm. But we are also for um, going to go ahead after this episode and replay our episode from last year, an interstitial on holiday romances that was actually pretty short. So maybe you've heard this before, but if you're a new listener, maybe you haven't. So stick around and have a great holiday and a happy new year. Happy holidays, everyone. Um, so, uh, it's the holidays and yay. (laughs) We faded mates think that there's nothing quite as wonderful as a holiday romance. And there's so many to choose from. And there's so much better than the actual holidays. (laughs) That's unfortunate, but true. I'm a little grinchy. A Um, little bit. I'm a lot grinchy all the time. Yeah. It's my birthday right around the holidays, too. So, Uh, yeah, it's just a lot, man. (laughs) Um, I love a holiday romance, though. So I think that we should talk about the good things. Yes. Um, I am a sucker for holiday romance because I think that there's something – the mythology of what a holiday should feel like, like that it should feel magical and like anything could happen is what makes these books so powerful, I think, because they play into that fantasy. And I think it actually gets more and more intense for me, that fantasy, as I get older and sort of see the way the sausage is made, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Christmas became a lot less exciting once I realized that it was like about putting batteries in things. (laughs) And I think that most Christmas romances and most holiday romances really, unless if a battery appears, it's in someone's vibrator and therefore for a better purpose. (laughs) Agreed. So do you want to start? Do you want me to start? What do you want to do? Um... Let me start, actually, because what you said about sort of like the way we used to think about um, 
sort of holidays when we were younger really strikes kind of one of the reasons I picked my first book, which is called A Wedding One Christmas. And the author's name is Therese Bahari. And she um, is someone I follow on Twitter. I actually, uh, she's from South Africa. And I listened to someone pronouncing her name so I could make sure I was getting it right. So I hope I still did. But um, this is a, a great, I love this romance. It is, um, have, did you remember the movie Before Sunrise with Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy? Yes, of course. Okay, this book is the closest I have ever gotten to reading a book that captured the feeling of that movie for me. I know. And uh, so BRB, I'm going to download it. That's amazing. For, so it all takes place in this one 24 hour period and it's all talk, talk, talk. It's like kissing only. It's not like super off the chart sexy. It's just really intense emotionally. And what happens is Angie is, um, driving back home to Cape Town after a couple of years away, her father died and she like pretty much left immediately. She's really overcome with guilt for kind of like not sticking around to help her mom and her sisters, but it was just really emotionally fraught. And she stops in this little town that they used to go to as a family when she was younger. And she stumbles into this wedding where she unfortunately is wearing a dress that is very similar to the dress the bridesmaids are wearing. And so everyone is really pressuring her like, go get in the photos what are you doing and she's (laughs) horrified and she like sort of like like sneaks away and ends up in this little um cafe where she meets our hero whose name is Ezra and he is actually like knows the people getting married but because he has had a really disappointing um He'd asked a woman to marry him and she turned him down. He like kind of can't bring himself to go to the wedding. And these two have this like intense kind of 24 hour period where they just like hang out and they go to this wedding and they get caught in like a Christmas parade. And the one of the funniest moments in this book for me is um, there's a part where the the town has a um, like a nativity play and they just pick rando randos like out of the the crowd to be to play the parts so there's no um there's no script or anything and angie gets picked to play mary and the guy who plays joseph and it reminded me of a book i loved as a kid which was called the greatest christmas pageant ever do you, mm-hmm. did, did you read this no okay it's this you should read it to i don't your think daughter. so at least it's this really funny story about these like bad kids in town who take over the town's christmas pageant but in this story angie gets up on stage and joseph is like i brought the wise men and she's like what's wrong with you you're bringing strangers into the house like i'm gonna have a baby and you didn't even find a hotel room and i was like this is It's like the realest thing I have ever read, like Mary giving Joseph a hard time for bringing in these strangers. Anyway, I just thought this book was so sweet and so charming and just really perfectly captures sort of the, I don't know, like our sadness and sorrow about our families and how hard it is to kind of face them around the holidays. And yet when you fall in love you find the strength to like face those challenges. And I think it's delightful. That sounds delightful. I haven't read that, but I'm going to. I'm going to download it for the holidays this year. Oh, is it? Is that a full-length book or is it a it novella? Is, I, it's the only one. And I want to talk about why so many of these stories are novellas because I feel like it's sort of a struggle to find a full-length kind of Christmas-themed book or holiday-themed book. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it depends, right? I, I think there are a lot of small-town contemporary... I feel like every small-town contemporary author has done her holiday novella, or her holiday book, um, and most of them do them every year, right? Like, there's a new holiday Christmas book by Debbie Maycomer every year. But I do think that novellas... I think novellas lend themselves really well to the holidays, especially to Christmas, right? So... Um, and but really to everything I think about, um, there was a an anthology of um, Hanukkah stories that came out a few years ago, um, and I think that part I think there are a few things. One, I think novellas tend to really only work if the two people did not um, if the two people know each other at the beginning of the book. Right. So the holidays kind of lend themselves to that naturally because you're going to be like in a space with a family or with people who, you know, Um, and then, like I said before, there's this sort of magical influence, this kind of faded mates style experience where like these two people are thrust together at the holidays. Um, and they already know each other and maybe they hate each other, hated each other or maybe it's like best friend's older brother or, you know, sister's best friend home from the holidays or home for the holidays from school, like whatever it is. It sort of thrusts people into proximity. I think there are things like snowstorms that happen over the holidays traditionally that can lend themselves to this. But actually the reason why I think holiday romances and holiday novellas are so perfect and why they work so well in short form is because traditionally for those of us who do write romances regularly and long form romances regularly, a holiday novella is a place where we can um, give people a glimpse at the world that they have been seeing and maybe a character who wouldn't necessarily get a full book. Oh, that's such a good point. So I think the, the book that I want to talk about is an old school romance for me. Um, so for the future, because I know I'm going to use this term over the course of, you know, the entire podcast. But for me, old school, when I say old school romances, I'm talking about romances that were written before the year 2000. And someday we can talk about why that's the year. I don't think it's arbitrary, but we'll get there sometime. Someday we'll talk about it. Maybe we'll do an old school interstitial. Definitely. I would love that. But since I was like 15 or 16, I have read this particular anthology called A Holiday of Love um, in back in the day, Pocket, which is a division of Simon & Schuster, um, it, it would produce once a year a kind of four-author anthology. And it was always at Christmas and it always had like Ivy or like or Holly or Bells or something on the cover. And it had like Judith McNaught in like the biggest <laughs> font <laughs> possible. <laughs> And Jude Devereaux in like the biggest font possible or Linda Howard in the biggest font possible. And then it would sort of – then there would be two other authors who were either who were either very well-known and just not as huge as McNaught, Devereaux, Howard or not well-known at all. And it was sort of – the fourth author was usually very much not well-known. And so it was really a way to boost her visibility um, for, in this particular case, historical romances. Anyway, A Holiday of Love um, does what I was talking about with these sort of favorite characters or favorite families. In this anthology, the story that I come to 
every year, the one that I come back for every year, there are two. And the first one is Judith McNaught's Miracles. Um, Those of you who have heard me talk about old school romances or heard me talk about my influences as a writer know that McNaught is the sort of queen of my writing past. Um, She's why I came to romance. She's why I loved romance. And when I write, I try very hard to channel the way she makes me feel in text. Um, Miracles is also an epistolary love story. Um, Oh, interesting. Interestingly, not between the hero and heroine. Um, The heroine is trying. She's young and she is supposed to be married and she's... um, she doesn't want to get married, and so she decides she's going to find somebody to help her ruin herself. Um, and she finds this kind of rakish guy at a ball, at a holiday ball. And um, she intends to just ruin herself by, like, dancing three dances with him or, like, drinking too much champagne and, like, going out into the onto the balcony with him. Like, just enough to make her no longer perfect. And he's so drawn to her, he ends up taking her back to his bedroom and um they're having they have this like intense emotional moment and somebody knocks on the door and it's her mother and her mother is like you've been caught you have to get married and he is livid livid because he believes she's trapped him she did this on purpose and so he marries her and then he brings her to his house in the country and leaves her there oh I hate them and I love those stories. I know. know. He's so mad. And he leaves her there and she's literally just there for like years. And then um, one – and she writes this and her grandmother who she was very close to dies and she's – all she has is this like – she writes letters to her grandmother just about like everything all day because she has no friends. She's no – she's so lonely. Like she's – her life is ruined. And then one day, like five or six days before Christmas, um, she receives news that he's coming for Christmas with his mother and father. And his mother's very sick. And her last wish before she dies is that, like, he proof that he'll that he's happy. So he comes. It's a little bit of a fake relationship story, too, because he comes to the to the house for Christmas and basically says, you have to love me. You have to pretend that you love me for Christmas, the week. And they fake it in the moment in front of the parents. And it's all so wonderful. And he's like the most loving, like funny, clever, smart, sexy husband. And then the moment the parents leave the room, he just shuts it down and is cold as ice. And she's falling for him. She's falling for the person that he is in front of his parents. And it is devastating. Oh, that sounds so good. And also amazing. Well, and I think, I actually think a lot of novellas do have that fake engagement kind of angle or the fake, right? Because you're, you want to like sort of make your family happy. And it seems like the path of least resistance is to like sort of just give them the illusion of your happiness, right? So I also think that these stories really lend themselves sometimes to that plot as well. I can think of a bunch of them that have that. Um, there's one, a great one by Cecilia Grant, a delightful Christmas novella called A Christmas Gone Perfectly Wrong that sort of traffics in that same trope. Like in this case, they have to 
hide who they really are because they shouldn't be traveling together and they are. So I think that um, that's another thing. Like sometimes these holiday novellas get like mashed up with this other really appealing trope of um, we are faking it for someone else so that they will believe that we are, um, you know, that we're happy. Sure. Well, there's also such a suspension of disbelief, right, that comes with holidays. Like when you write a, it, it, it allows all the tropes, all the like sticky, delicious tropes that we're going to talk about over the course of this podcast, you know, to be sort of elevated and heightened to this fever pitch. And then you set it against a holiday where, you know, there is a sort of sense of magic happening potentially. Yes. Um, and, and it's, it, it makes it really special. I'm thinking about, there's a new anthology that's coming out the beginning of December. It'll, it'll be out when this podcast drops called Reindeer Games, um, with Tracy Livesey and Charlotte Stein and Helen K. Diamond and Eve Dangerfield and Andy Christopher and Adriana Anders, like huge names in the genre, Tamara Lush, Kelly Mayer, um, and, the uh, the conceit is at every single one of these stories is a Snowden story. That's I amazing. Mean, we love Snowden stories because it's forced proximity and, um, you know it it's it's a magnificent way of keeping two people on the page and really forcing them to fall in love fast. So again, romance novellas. Also, you can't deny the fact that novellas make it easy are easier for the holidays because people are very busy. And so, like, it's a quick read. Well, and that reminds me, one of my favorite anthologies is it's called Silver Bells. And um, what I like about it is all of the characters are over 40. And they're not all Christmas stories either. One of my favorites in the anthology is called A Taste of Blessings um, by Suleika Snyder. And it is the story of, and, and I love sort of a, like, I went back home. And my, you know, the main character, Tia, sort of goes back to suburban Ohio and her family so disappointed in her how be, how come she's the age she is and she still isn't married and um she you know sort of hits it off with this with this man at like uh, you know this uh, like a like a kind of a really big overwhelming bengali holiday event so in that case it's not like snowed in it's not the trope that it has in common but rather that all of the characters are um are you know aren't 25 or that they're you know older people that are still finding love and i really like that too i'm so glad that you brought something up that's not christmas um because i think for sure most of the holiday romances that we talk about are christmas and that's just because you know romance um but there are and also because there are so few um there are very few holiday romances that fall on non-religious holidays too um and i Really love Tiffany Rice's Her Naughty Holiday. Um, Tiffany wrote for Harlequin Blaze, I think it's a trilogy. I think it's Halloween, it's Thanksgiving, amazing. Christmas, right? Yes, or is it, it is. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's? I don't know, but it's Halloween, it's Halloween right? Yeah. Um, and this one is the Thanksgiving one, and it's real great, you guys. <laughs> I read it. Um, I I don't know when it came out, but I read it after the election, so it, it might have been 2017 that I read it. Um, but so the heroine is just miserable about Thanksgiving. Like, she doesn't want to deal with her crazy family. She 
um, like uh, she knows that the moment everybody sits down around the table, like she is going to, it is going to immediately be, it's her name is Clover and it's immediately going to be like the sort of like, let's talk about everything that is bad about Clover moment. And like who among us has not dreaded that meal? Absolutely. Uh, and so she's basically like, I'm going to bring home a fake boyfriend. This goes back to the fake, the fake relationship story, right? I'm going to bring home a fake boyfriend and he's going to help me sort of sort this out. And so she brings home this like hot (laughs) contractor, like a hot, like he like is a construction worker and he's like delicious. And he is like basically a single father to his daughter, right? Yeah. And, and like, he's pretty much like, okay, that's fine, but we have to bone. <laughs> In classic Tiffany fashion, he's like, I will come and be your perfect, like, boyfriend, but we're going to bone later. A, a lot of boning in classic Tiffany fashion. A lot fashion. of it. Like, this is a Blaze book, but it could have been significant. It could have not been a Blaze book. It could have been, you know, whatever, whatever's bigger than Blaze, hotter than Blaze. Inferno. <laughs> I would like to have a job naming the lines, right? <laughs> harlequin inferno you know it's funny something we should do you know we should also do like a like a category day because i I would be so many category romances that i adore and i don't feel like they ever get the attention that they deserve i'm gonna put it on the list right now do it right now so then so but basically the best part about this and you know the joy of this book there are a lot of things to love about this book again it's like if fake engagement is your kink this is here if tiffany's sexy parts are your kink this is here. But um, what I love about this – so at this Thanksgiving dinner, she just kicks everyone out because they're all being assholes. And she's just like, I don't want to deal with you anymore. And like there is a moment while you're reading it where you're thinking, wait, is this a thing we can do? Yes. <laughs> absolutely. It's the most fantastical fantasy. Like it is hotter than any other fantasy yeah, yes, <laughs> I've ever right. read in a romance I could novel. just make them all leave and be by myself on Thanksgiving. This is a possibility. <laughs> and then they bone. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So- <laughs> And it's an amazing book, actually. It is fantastic. And actually, you know what? I wrote a whole, and I will put it in the show notes, a whole post for the book queen about, because I was like, no one ever writes Thanksgiving romances. And I did a ranking of like top Thanksgiving romances. And I'm pretty sure it was, I don't think it won. There was a very, but it was like one of my top two. So I will post that in the show notes so we can read about it. This is why I'm so glad you and I are doing this because like, I feel often, I I read a book a day. Like, I feel like I have a really great overview of the genre but like I feel like you just are constantly recommending books to me that I have either never read or never heard of like I can't think of another Thanksgiving romance uh I read quite a few so you'll be excited to read about them um let me talk about one more um one more novella which I um I really loved it's by Jenny Holiday and it's called Merrily Ever After and I want to talk about um one of the, it's also about family because in this in this novella it's actually kind of the second part of a novella that um, started the the story of Jay and Elise and it's part of her bridesmaids behaving badly series which I stand for pretty much twenty four seven like stop me on the street and ask me about a book and I might talk about Jenny Holiday and I was really nervous about this book because the setup of their first novella um, which was called Once Upon a Bride um, is that they meet and that 
Jay does not want to be a parent ever. And that she thinks she can't have kids. She has a really bad case of endometriosis, which is one of the first, one of the few novels I can think of where like a woman's menstrual cycle plays such a huge role. And it's like such a big part of our lives and it just isn't a big part of romance. And um, it's debilitating. And so she doesn't think she can ever get pregnant. So they, they, they get married and they're going to move on. And, and it's clear, though, that she really is sad about this, that she'll never be a mother. And, um, and she kind of keeps this from him because she thinks there won't ever be a chance. And I will tell you, I, I have a lot of friends who are like, I don't want to be a parent. And I was really dreading sort of some like a story where Jay like is suddenly fine with the thing that he'd spent his whole entire life thinking he didn't want to do. Right. So this book starts with her kind of miraculously becoming pregnant and um, and they're married So it's also, I love a romance that deals with a couple who's already in a relationship facing a new challenge. And I really was kind of worried that I would think like, oh, this, it's just like magically fixed. And it didn't feel that way at all. Um, I think that it really shows that like people change, um, that in a marriage, you're going to face an unexpected choice or crisis or something's going to happen that you didn't expect to happen. And how you each deal with it and then how you deal with each other dealing with it is a really big part of believing that a couple can truly have an HEA. And um, I just thought this this book was so wonderful. And the Christmas part is, you know, like that that um, Elise just keeps like wishing that it would snow, that somehow like they'd and you know what she's really wishing for is that like kind of magical dusting that's going to like fix all this. But instead, it's their like hard work <laughs> and they're talking to their friends and their family that like helps them realize um, kind of the path forward. And I I think it's, again, like one of those romances that's really like this is what romance should do, like really show us people who like this is a real struggle between them. And yet um, because they love each other, they are able to like move forward and 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 find a way that. They're both happy, but I was really happy as a reader, too, um, that it felt like Jay's sort of like he's like a real jerk at first. Right. But you understand why and you're not mad at him. And then like the way they come around to like sort of figuring out how to be together. And I thought it was really wonderful. I love that because I also think that, again, sort of going back to this idea of the holiday, the holiday mythology, the holiday magic being a part of a love story, it feels like it just adds another layer of, and of course they'll be happy together because it happened, you know, they did all this hard work and they fell for each other in this, you know, holiday moment This in with this magic around them. And we've talked about sort of like the baby epilogue and this is like a baby epilogue that felt really qualitatively different than just like, and then they were happy with the baby. It was like, oh, now their lives are really going to change and that's going to mean something. Well, I feel I should also say that I wrote a a holiday book this year. (laughs) You should say that. Another holiday anthology. I got together with three other incredible authors, um, Tessa Dare, Sophie Jordan, Joanna Shoup, and I um, just put out an anthology called uh, How the Duke Stole Christmas. And we're very happy with it. I 
read Joanna Shoup's story already. Awesome. And it like it's awesome, but it like it made me so mad, right? Like it really like it was wonderful. Like it was the kind of thing where you're like, oh, this is pushing all of my buttons and I'm loving this yeah, experience. But that's what Joanna does. She takes the whole genre and then she just flips it right upside down. And then she says, now we're going to do this. And it's really magnificent. If you're interested in like reading around the edges of romance, like the – if you're you're interested in looking at, at ways like people subvert tropes, Joanne is your person for that. Um, each one of the novellas in this anthology is loosely based on a famous holiday movie. Um, so Tessa's is uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. Mine is Scrooged. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sophie's is Home Alone and Joanna's is Christmas in Connecticut. So if you're into holiday movies and you're looking for something to read after the book, the movie is over, um, maybe How the Duke Stole Christmas will be your thing. It was my thing. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled to hear that. And Joanna will be too. All right, everybody. Um, We would love to hear more about your recommended holiday romances and reads. We are always looking for recommendations for future interstitial episodes and things you'd like us to recommend and talk about. Um, Please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and have a very happy holiday and a wonderful new year.